God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. <sighs> well, welcome to another episode of I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. We've traversed the murky landscape of technical difficulties to once again bring you the 30 minutes of humor and deep insight into life's greatest mysteries that you've come to know and love. Here with my friend Bob Schneider. What's going on today? What's going on over there? Dude, I'm going hard. I'm going hard in the paint when it comes to a little old game. Probably the oldest game on the planet. Probably the first game. Uh, I have a feeling it was uh, either they used rocks or skulls to play this game. Mm-hmm. And it's a little old game called football. Now, the Americans might mistakenly refer to it as soccer but i'm going hard in the paint dude and where i'm starting from and where i'm ending at is a little place called bundesliga (laughs) that's right baby (laughs) bundesliga i don't know what we're talking about so we're talking about soccer we're talking about football it's a little ball it got white and black and you kick it around and you try to get it in the goal. Right. And most of the people that do it don't speak English for shit. The ones who play it really well, it's like the better you can speak American English, the worse your feet work when it comes to kicking that ball. But dude, if you can't speak a damn word of English, damn son, you'll be flinging that ball right in the old net. Bam, bam, bam. The oldest game ever played, huh? It's the oldest game, dude. I mean, maybe tag (laughs) was earlier than that, but I don't think it was a game back then. That was just survival. I'm about to say the first game ever was probably just don't die today. And then every day the first game was every day was a new try not to yeah, try not to get R and (laughs) K'd by everybody and everything. I think the first ever game was called Fuck Eat kill don't die (laughs) the first game was called don't get at (laughs) all right everybody's it (laughs) go (laughs) the sun came up go it's a common theme on this podcast i think it's because me and you use it to justify maybe some of our mental states but there's no way that hundreds of thousands of years of waking up in a literal fucking nightmare where you might die or be eaten there's no way that programming has not lasted until our current state. We oh, we are hardwired, no doubt. It's here. You just send a bunch of hearts on the Skype thing. Are you playing with the new Skype app that you just downloaded? I guess so. Well, here's what's fun about today. While Mr. Bobby Schniz Schniz is checking out some of the new features that look like they're from the 90s. They're like emojis from the 90s. Uh, we got a bunch of emails we got to catch up on, which I love getting emails. The faithful I okay, you okay, I not okay, you not okay listeners have written in. It's Bob and Clint at gmail.com. First of all, I want to say thank you to Julius Kreeft and Mark Normandy for becoming patrons. And also, Joanne Capecchi took her $10 Patreon subscription and doubled it because she's got what we call here some of that boat BDE. All right, our first email is from Scott Womer. And this is about songwriting advice, which I think you 
and I may be able to weigh in on here. He says, what's up, boys? I had an interesting situation recently trying to figure out the songwriting angle. Maybe you have thoughts. I just found out that a woman I dated on and off for a few years was at the same time an active member of a master slave sex cult. And then he <laughs> writes, zip. He says, it would seem this is a perfect fodder for a new Fenton Hardy hit, which he's he has a project called Fenton Hardy. He says, as great songwriters, I'm curious where you would go with this, Scott. So he was dating her and he found out she was part of this cult? I guess like while he was dating her, she had a secret life where she, he found out later that while they were together, she was on the side putting a little red apple in her mouth and getting zipped up in the old gimp box. So what do you do with that? I mean, info? we have a name for that. We box have a name folk. for people like that. Yeah, They're called box folk. <laughs> Should we? And what, what the way that works is you put a person in a box, you have a hole in the box and you put food in <laughs> or whatever you want or, in there or, or a dick or whatever <laughs> and that's it and then they live in that box we came up with box folk because it's it's not just about the box it's about the kind of person that would be willing to get in the box now box folk you know they want to do lots of things dude i i get so excited when i meet box folk i mean they're a special breed yeah they're box folk. And and here's here's how you know somebody's a box folk. If you ask somebody, like if you explain the scenario to them, and they even hesitate for a second, they're not true box folk. No, you got it's a far away look in the eye that can't be replicated. If the minute the last consonant leaves your lips, and you, the question is, are you box folk? And right on the cusp of that K, they're mouth is mouthing the word yes <laughs> then you know they're box folk and we've met those people i remember one of the times this was right after we coined the phrase so it was fresh in the it was fresh in our vernacular but we were at a party with a friend of ours who i guess we shouldn't name but they're known for having you know a good time but having some some box folk around and and he was engaged to this woman who we asked if she was box folk but the reason we asked her is what did she say about we were telling her about the girl that wanted to get in the box yeah we were telling her about a box folk <laughs> and before before person. we could even get the whole sentence out of would you be willing to do something like that she was like absolutely of course but here's the other thing about her she never made eye contact with anyone yeah. she just was staring into infinite space she had the thousand yard stare and we weren't sure if she was listening if she could even speak english we didn't know anything about her she looked like she was out of it. Like she could have been on like really serious drugs or like Helen Keller, maybe like deaf, dumb, blind. We don't know, but we're, t we're talking about this chick that we knew that was box folk and this chick without moving or without showing any expression, without blinking her eyes, without doing anything different. She just into space said, I am box folk. <laughs> And Danny, oh shit! We just said. Who I the guess guy their was. name is Danny. Then, anyways, uh, you know who it is, our, though. It's the Danny that plays with you at the sex and pub. Not, not it's not other. that. It's not that Danny. <laughs> but he he confirmed it immediately. He was like, "Oh yeah, she's definitely box folk." The horrible thing about it is, they were supposed to get married, and then he found her fucking his best friend. Well, that's a box folk classic. In between the time they got engaged and the time they were supposed to get married. 
So she was definitely box folk. I mean, that's box folk. There's no, you can't like box folk is like a feral is like a feral pig. You can't bring that into the house and expect shit to work out well, right. You can bring it into the house, but you can't pretend like it's a hamster on a hamster wheel or I that mean, it's a nice domesticated puppy dog. It's a it's a it's a dude, box folk. You bring a fucking feral pig into your house. Your house is going to get fucked up. So, I mean, it, you can have fun with a box folk. You know, you can have you can have some chuckles and grins, but don't don't tie your wagon to the to any box folk. Well, here's a songwriting question: What would you say the percentage is of your songs that are that detail uh, wild relationship stuff? What percentage of those are actually true, as in they happen to you? What percentage of those are just fun stories you made up because? That's what you do. You tell stories. Well, the actual percentage of real events in my songs is zero percent, but the emotional uh, experience is almost a hundred percent. Right. So, right. So the stories, the the incidents, the the facts of the of the case, whatever I'm saying in the song it doesn't really matter. I'm only saying that stuff so that you can have some sort of an emotional response or have some emotional feeling based on those lyrics. But the, the emotion that I'm trying to get at that's real and that's autobiographical. You know, that's what's going on with me. A good example of that, right. Would be 2002. Is that a good example of that? Where that's sort of historical fiction. You lived in Germany but did you work at the grocery store and are all the details true? Yeah, but if they're they're coincidental. Right. Like I did work at a grocery store bagging groceries, but I did that back in like the 80s. Right. Um and it had nothing to do with the story. I just use bits and pieces of whatever, my life, other people's lives, things I've heard or just make it up. But I use all that information to tell a story that sounds real and true so that you'll have an emotional response when you're hearing it. And I'm having emotional response when I'm writing it. And that emotional scene that's being created in the song, that's hundred percent real. Yeah. It doesn't even matter if it's true. It just doesn't matter anymore. There's a great David Shields quote where he says, anything that passes through memory is fiction. But there, there are people that only write true things. Like our friend Danny, who was dating dating that box folk person, he I asked him one time, I asked him one time, I was like, is there anything that you write that's not true? And he said, no. Everything I write is from my life. Hmm. Like all the incidents. I'm like, oh. And the problem with that is like, what if you, I mean, he doesn't, <laughs> he obviously does not lead a boring life. Exactly. If you're dating box folk, your life is not boring. But my life is boring as fuck, dude. He has that song and, "Spider Legs" about beating up him and his girlfriend in a fist fight. We're, we're definitely getting closer and closer to people being able to figure out who this guy is. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, if you're living okay, if you're living the box folk adjacent life, then sure you can write about all the things that happened to you. If you're married with children and you know you have like a mortgage and you know you'd like to not be living that kind of life, yeah, you have to tell stories. Yeah. And it's more interesting. It's more, it's, it's more interesting to. I don't know. You can you can end up with better stories if you're not, um, hampered by the truth. Yeah, beholden to reality. 
it's one of the things that I, it's not argue, but it's one of the things I push for the most when I'm writing over here with, with people who don't quite see it that way is I'm always pushing to make it a little weirder because being bound by a linear A to B, it's just, no, no, I don't know how many of my favorite songs do that. Have you ever had a writing session and at some point during the writing session you realize, oh, I think this person might be box folk? <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's a great question. Um, I mean, because they're not to get too like broad with my assumptions, but if it's a lady and she's playing a guitar, chances are some some something is wrong with that person. <laughs> like, I mean, I have problems. You have problems. We're we're songwriters. We have we're we have a lot of art art mind problems. Yeah, and I, but I but we have to do it because we're dudes. We have to do something because we're redundant, useless pieces of shit. But all women are necessary. You only need one guy, but you need all women. So if a woman's doing something beyond, I know this sounds crazy. If she's doing something beyond that, something's up. I'm going to let you have that little corner of philosophy. I'm going to. Well, it's not. It's just true. I mean, in my experience, the women that I make music with, they they seem to want to do it for the same reasons that I do. They're good at it. It makes them feel good to get a song written. They have something they want to say or express. They want to do what their musical heroes did, which is make stuff. That would- I've never I've never met a I've never met a female songwriter that wasn't borderline, borderline insane. Yeah, that's true for most of the dudes that I write with too, though. I I have this thing now where I think most of the world's insane. No, I, I think I, 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 it's like the opposite for me. I think, I think most people aren't the way you and I are. I think most, and when I say most, I'm 80%. I think 80% of humanity, they don't, they don't notice everything the way we do. They don't see everything. They don't, they just take what's given to them and they go, okay, yeah, that sounds right. That, that, that makes sense. And then they just go on with their day and they don't fucking spend another second ruminating or thinking about it. Whereas you and me, you hand us a little fact. We're putting that shit under the microscope from morning until dawn. <laughs> Which is twenty four hours a day, by the way. That's twenty four seven, baby. Because morning comes right after dawn. Exactly. Anyways, I think most people just—they don't give a fuck, dude. Most people just like, what's for lunch? Oh, okay. Well, <clears throat> Deb Wallace has written in, and she wants to weigh in on the Billy Harvey's pheromones combo we had. She says, I was totally laughing when I heard about his B.O. on your podcast. She says, long story short, my friends and I were hanging out on Bob's tour bus after a Summerfest show. She says, don't worry, Bob, you weren't there. And all the guys were real gentlemen, which doesn't surprise me. We all we roll with good dudes. She says, my friend hooked up with Billy Harvey on the bus and spent the night. When we picked her up the next morning, the only thing she said was how strong his B.O. was. <laughs> Dude, it's strong. <laughs> But it's strong in a good way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, she didn't have it. It wasn't strong enough for her to get off the bus. So 
That's all no. you need to know right there. Dude, it locked her in. It locks it, you in. It forms a cocoon. Yeah. It forms like one of those like electrical like spiritual cages that you see like in an Avengers movie. <laughs> a spiritual cage. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like a, you're like a voluntary box folk for the time that you're inside that biosphere. Okay, I have a I have a I'm going I have a question that I think is interesting, but I it's going to be it's going to be crude and I don't know how else to put it, okay? Now for a dude all sorts of things can be possible in your imagination or in your emotional potential when you're trying to have sex and when you're having sex and about to have sex. Now, as soon as you climax, now you can attest to this, right? All those vibrant colors and hopes and dreams, they sort of drain into a cold coolness, cold light of day thing. A, a bit of a mirage f- falls. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Yeah, well, you know, all of those things you were thinking about are no longer necessary. Right. Or you'll tell yourself anything you have to, to to get to this moment. It all leads up to it. When the moment happens, there's generally this feeling of emptiness and etc. Now, you'll tell yourselves all sorts of things to uh, make sense of going to bed with somebody if you're horny enough or if, you're, if you want to enough. As soon as you're done, cold light of reality sweeps back. Now, when she was with Billy and the BO was this strange mixture of repulsion but also something magnetizing about it because it had this primitive power. As soon as they were done with the coitus, it's according to this email, they spent the night together. Do you think that she laid in his arms, head uh, nestled right in the armpit area and thought, this isn't fun anymore? Uh, I, I imagine she probably, at, at a certain point, you just kind of get used to wherever you're at. I don't know if you've spent any time in France. <laughs> But eventually, you just get used to your environment. Right. <clears throat> then you don't smell it anymore. You don't know what's going on at a certain point. Now, maybe at a certain point, she got away from it. And then she was like, oh, what happened? What just happened? Well, it was her only comment of the evening. Well. I'm just curious because dudes do that. I'm, wondering, I'm curious if that happens with women as well. Though You'll put up with something until uh, you get what you want. And then you get it. And you're like, whoa, what was that all about? I mean, it goes the other way, too. I mean, there have been situations, but I will say this. If you get, if you, uh, if you're in the middle of something with a lady and all of a sudden you're catching some odors, that's, for me, that's, it's game over. Ooh, no problem over here. No problem. With the odor? No, if the train's, if the train's moving, that's what I'm saying. It's, if that train's in motion, there ain't, there's really no... There's nothing too horrible that could that could stop the train. I, I'm such a germaphobe that if something like that happens, the train the train is stopping and all passengers must debark, right, from the train. Then the train's getting a full scrub down, and then we're back on. Then we get back on the road again, just from an odor. Better to be safe than sorrow. Jimmy Palacios, who's a patron, says, Dang, Bob, Sleeping Tiger was my favorite album released last year. Sorry for the Austin snub. Well, here's what you need to do. Email the Austin Chronicle and say, Hey, guys, what TF? (laughs) Say, what TF? Yeah. Well, it is a shame because the record's really good and... I'm not biased because I played on it. I just really think that. All right, here's one. This is an interesting one. This is from Craig 
Soderberg. He says, I've been a pro musician for 25 years. I've always related to you two talking about how we get all this positive feedback on stage from everyone. But when we come home, our wives act like we suck, which I don't think I've ever said that, said that. But he says, I feel like they're afraid to admit they like what we do because they don't want to look like just another fan, even though it's probably what attracted them to us in the first place. I feel like I have this great creative life, but the person I wish appreciated it the most pretends like it doesn't exist. He says, but then I released a CD and she's pissed because I didn't give her a copy. He says, well, I didn't give her a copy because I just wrote a bunch of songs about how shitty our relationship is. She actually ordered a copy of it uh, online through my website, even though I found a copy in the CD in her glove box. He says, when you guys talk about your wives, it sounds like things are kind of shitty, but you say it's great because you kind of have to say that in case someone sends them a clip of you talking about them. Am I just describing a normal relationship or do you think this is a musician thing? You can start. Um... Well, I don't. I can't really speak to what his deal because I don't know him. I know for me and you, he, it sounds like she might be. I mean, you should investigate uh, some potential BF uh, situation with that lady. <laughs> I know that when me and you talk about our marriage, I think we're really honest about it, and I think that what we dabble in, which you and I dabble in this anyway, it's why we started the podcast, is the nuances of of relationships how hard they can be, how beautiful they can be. And I think you and I, our overriding principle is that we're really grateful for our lives and our families. And even when it's tough, there isn't anywhere else we'd really rather be. You and I had a, have had reckonings in that department, I think. And when it's tough, that just makes the sweet shit better. I mean, we we have like seasons of it. My wife's really proud of the work I do. She doesn't, I mean, she's like anything, dude. She's I write a million songs. She can't be excited about all of them, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, my wife loves me, loves what I do, uh, loves my music, but, you know, sometimes she doesn't want to fucking have a song jammed up in her ear hole, <laughs> you know? Sometimes she do, though. And and sometimes she does. And it, it, yeah, it vacillates depending on all kinds of, you know, things well i'm i'm doing a uh, show tonight with rachel who i'm I, rachel and i have a side project anyway she's in town and we're doing a show tonight third and lindsley and we went on lightning 100 this morning to promote it and we sang a song together and talked about our band and stuff and i didn't even really think to, to like tell isbel because i just i didn't think she would really care and i came home and she missed it because i didn't really give her the details and she was actually legitimately bummed she really wanted to hear that you know so sometimes even what i I'm I'm learning about myself, Bob, that I have a, a real problem where whatever emotional state I'm in, I think, A, that's the truth, the which sometimes it really just isn't. And I think, B, that's what it's always going to be like forever. And neither of those things are helpful or really how things play out in life. Those are two pretty big blind spots. Yeah, I mean, I don't know... I'm the same way. Like when I feel bad, I'm just like, well, this is the way it is from now on and forever. And I can tell myself with my head, hey, this is going to change. This feeling's going to change. And I, I, I'm able to kind of do it more when I'm really happy in a way that I would, like when I'm really happy, I'm like, oh, I wish this would last forever, but I know it's going to change. But when I'm feeling depressed or frustrated or hopeless or despondent when i'm in it i 
just don't think that's ever going to end. And I can only feel what I'm feeling anyways at the moment. So it's hard for me to imagine even anything other than what I'm feeling in the moment. So, yeah, but I think that's the same for everybody. I don't, I don't think that's a unique thing. Yeah. Well, that's, that actually makes me feel a little bit better because I was feeling like it's like a really unique, weird neurosis. Hmm. Like even this podcast, I'm like, well, why wouldn't we do this forever? Like my Metallica podcast, we're in year six. And since the time we started that podcast, I've watched many podcasts around me, either through friends or people who listen to our show who started their own Metallica podcast, whatever. I've just watched so many of them come and go. Or if you or people do that with music too, like people in the music industry. We were in the Lightning 100 office today. They had it covered, you know, in the in the live room. They had it covered like wall to wall, like posters. And I'm looking at all of them, and I'm like, oh yeah, that person's still making music. That person's out of the music industry. That person I haven't heard from in forever. What's that person doing? That person now lives in Alaska. It's like I just sort of hunker down and imagine I'll just be doing what I'm doing forever. It's a strange. It's a strange psychological thing that I'm trying to. I'm trying to discover it about myself so I can move past it, move through it. Yeah, I mean, I I just assume I'm going to be playing music for the rest of my life. I can't imagine not doing it, dude. I was in I was at the Saxon Pub last night backstage, and uh, they've got you know Saxon Pub's been around since probably the 80s, I guess. So they've got all those. Remember they used to have those black and white eight by ten promo. Yeah, pictures. headshots. Kind of headshots or band shots or whatever. Yeah. You used to see them all the time in clubs. You don't see them so much anymore, but right. they had a shit ton of them back there. And it was just all these bands that I'd never heard of right. that were like big in Austin or in Texas in the 80s or early 90s. And all of those people are gone. They're either dead. They're not playing music anymore. And I just thought like, God damn it, there's so many like songs that people wrote that are that are just nobody cares about that are lost forever. Just millions. And then how about all the songs that were written before like there was music notation? I'm not even talking about, you know, like I'm talking about like a thousand years ago when you couldn't write anything down, record anything, all of that. They only existed either in someone's mind or in like a a family or a tribe. Yeah. And they were sung to each other, maybe passed down. There were probably some badass motherfuckers like Prince. For sure. 2000, Prince 2000 BC. Yeah. And his name was Kinga. (laughs) And he was like, dude, have you seen Kinga? Oh, yeah, I saw him. He was fucking amazing. Oh, Kinga died? How can you can you hum me a little Kinga? <laughs> he did it like <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, I know Kinga did it way better. That doesn't sound like Kinga at all. That sounds shitty. Dude, Kinga rocked. It's so true, dude. There was, I mean, there was definitely a, a Beatles, you know, there was a Paul McCartney, there was yeah. a Mozart, there was a Prince. I've heard someone describe like athletes that way. They're like, you know, the, the people who are the best athletes now are the, the Tom Brady's, the Michael Jordan's, et cetera. 
they're like those people actually would have been like the war generals they would have been the people who would have been the like the 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 fucking hero who came back with like 30 scalps and that's true yeah and there would have been well, the kinga who would have made the most beautiful music yeah I think about that when you're talking about the headshots. I've definitely seen that. You know where they have a lot of those headshots is the check stop. Oh, I know, dude. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Those they and they I don't think they've put up a fresh headshot so like at the, the, early at the check stop in yeah. at least thirty years. But you know where I think about it a lot of I spend a lot of time as you do as well in green rooms. And the there's a famous green room at uh, Smith's old bar called the poop green room where everyone turned every band name written on the wall into like a poop euphemism. But you're looking in these green rooms at all these stickers of bands or bands that have signed their logo or whatever the fuck. And I mean, it's real hard to find one that you've ever heard of all these bands getting in, getting in vans, trying to make records, trying to get a management deal, just trying to get people to care about what they do, about their music, their art, their story, their life, their guitar playing. It's just, you know. Dude, I mean, I've been playing music like full-time professionally since 91. So for 31 years, I've seen so many bands just here in Austin rise up out of the muck like get on MTV, like sell millions of records, like be nationally known, and then just fade into the fucking breeze. Butthole surfers. I mean, they're kind of still around. There are bands like that. Fastball. Man, Fastball went right to the top yep. and then right back down. They, and then Los Lonely Boys, Los same Lonely thing. Boys, yeah. That's right. Uh, Fabulous Thunderbirds. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um. Timbuk three, the future's so bright. I gotta wear shades. <laughs> There's just a bunch of, and and bands that were huge, like regionally, like Soul Hat, were huge in Texas and Colorado and and the Northeast. And they had they stayed together another ten years, they they probably would have been like fish, and they just broke up. I want to talk that, about that uh, about Kevin in the Secret Weekly, by the way, who was the front man of Soul Hat. All right. And we got to go there now. What You know what? Time flies when you're having fun. Period. Yeah, it do. It's just a fact of fucking life. We're going to take the tugboat out of uh, the regular episode and kick it to the Secret Weekly. If you want to come into the Secret Weekly with us, we invite you. All, all everyone's welcome. You just have to join the Patreon, which you can do at patreon.com slash just the letters IOK and uh, get access to The Secret Weekly. We will go there now. We love you guys. Take care. See you next week. Bye. Bye. (laughs)